Hey, I wanted to start out with a few shout-outs to some new listeners. J.M.E. Bell, thank you for the support and kind words. I hope you find an ever-increasing audience for your book, Vas Solaris Expedition Home. To all of you listening, if you're into speculative sci-fi, check out the link in my show notes for her book. Also, I wanted to thank Amy Louise for the encouraging note last week. It came at a low moment for me, and those kindnesses go such a long way. If you want to see some great book reviews, folks, check out Amy's blog, whatamyreads.com. I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. And please hear me when I say, if there is an artist out there, if there is a podcaster, if there is somebody doing work that you admire, stop and send them a note thanking them for the work that they are doing. It's harder than it should be. Uh, emotionally, uh, physically, it is difficult work to produce anything valuable. And I hope that the work that I'm producing is valuable. This week, I'm bringing to you three techniques to help you if you struggle with unsupportive family and friends. I don't call myself an expert in many areas, but when it comes to having unsupportive family, I think I've got a PhD. As always, I actively discourage you from rating or reviewing my show because what's the point? But that's right, Chewy. We want to ask you, please, if you know another writer, especially a fiction writer who needs encouragement, who needs help marketing, who enjoys robust dialogues about craft of fiction, recommend my show to them. They will thank you someday, I think. And I'll thank you right now. Welcome to Create Collaborate the show for creative writers aspiring to publish their first book. My name's Jody Spurman, and I'm determined to help you, whether you self-publish or storm the gated walls of agents and editors. Today, I'm going to share with you the secrets I've learned from industry experts and how you can speed your path to publication. How you deal with unsupportive family and friends has a lot to do with their attitude toward you. Are they the types who tell you to get a real job? Maybe they just ask insulting questions aimed to belittle you like, are you still, are you still writing? And perhaps the sneakiest but most insidious of all unsupportive friends and family is indifference. They don't ask and we don't tell. You might even think you're not being hurt by indifference, but even the calmest waters anyone, 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 anyone? are troubled by indifference. When we have quiet moments to reflect on the lack of support, we wonder why it's so hard for someone to speak a word of encouragement. Couldn't someone just say, Hey, you're taking a huge risk putting yourself out there, bub, and I'm impressed. I know. I know. They won't. They wouldn't even have to tell us that what we're doing is good. They just encourage us that they can see the work and the effort. But we all know their support isn't coming anytime soon. So what do we do? The first tip is counterintuitive. 
but it leads to the best results. If you want to insult-proof yourself, if you want to move away from resentment and frustration, this first tip about how to deal with unsupportive family and unsupportive friends will take you the furthest. So let's set up the situation. You're all on social media, I imagine. Yeah, of course you are. Uh, Most of you found me through social media. Love it. Your family is there too, though, and your high school and your college friends. They're all there. There are connections on LinkedIn. There are friends on Facebook. There are followers on Twitter and Insta. Everywhere we go, they're digitally staring at us. But if you want to change things, you need to change that. And a lot of you are going to bristle at first when you hear this. And some of you will flat out refuse to do it. And that's okay. You just have to deal with the consequences. But what you want to do, the first thing to do here, if you have unsupportive family and unsupportive friends, and I'd even suggest if you have supportive family and supportive friends, look into doing this aggressively. It will reward you with greater focus. It will uplift your mood. There are so many benefits. Okay, what is this? What, what, what am I dangling out here? What am I playing all coy with? I would tell you to unfollow, unfriend, unconnect, disconnect with family and friends on social media. And if you can't force yourself to completely cut the cord, at least Silence them. Spend a couple of hours, some afternoon, when your mind is already busy and you're worthless to everything else, and just click through your social media profiles and and a very, very minimum silence them so that you don't see their posts anymore, so that you don't see their activity anymore, so that you can't hear from them anymore. Block them so that their comments can't get through to you. Make it as difficult as you can for your family to reach you in any other way than the good old-fashioned phone call or a knock on the door. But Jody, what if I want to check on my cousin's newborn baby? Pick up the phone. Have you ever heard of Zoom before? Zoom's actually kind of cool. You can even see the newborn baby. You can get you can get unique, one-of-a-kind footage that nobody else on social media gets. And and listen, I hear from people who have done this. I'm one of them that there is a uptick in actual social interaction with your family and your friends when you isolate them off of social media, because then you're not getting that whatever brain chemical says, oh, like I just interacted with Aunt Susie and that really feels good. So I don't need to call her. No, now, now you haven't interacted with Aunt Susie in quite a while and you pick up the phone and ask how she's doing. This is great. This is awesome. We're moving in the right direction, but why does it help with unsupportive friends and unsupportive family? Two reasons, probably 20 reasons, two that come directly to mind and play a huge part in the psychological shift that's going to happen in your life. One is FOMO. I really love acronyms. You will come to find that out the longer you know me. I love acronyms and NIMS, you know, abbreviations. Wait, NIMS, breathes and NIMS. I love them. (sighs) Fear of missing out. 
when you see what's going on with the family, it creates churn and you're always looking at things and you're seeing what they're doing. And the more you see their life and the more you see them interacting with each other, the more you feel a little bit like an outsider and you don't know how to start the conversation and you're stressing because you're the writer that everybody just wants to go get that real job. And nobody even said anything to you, but your mind goes there. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. For sure you know what I'm talking about. You silence all of that chatter, and before you know it, there's silence in your mind. There's confidence in your mind. Feels better to be you. But not only FOMO, you actually redirect your, your, your attention. It's not just the fear of missing out, but it's your attention is now redirected. The people who are on your Facebook, who are on your Twitter, who are on your Insta, who are on your TikTok, those people are interested in the things you're interested in. And listen, I'm the last person who's ever going to advocate for you getting stuck in a hall of mirrors. I probably have argued at too many Thanksgiving tables about the destructiveness of only being friends with Republicans or only being friends with Democrats or only being friends with football fans or whatever it might be. When your whole world is one thing, it can be destructive because then you don't get outside opinions. You can't grow and develop. But Here's the deal. I'm talking to writers. I'm talking to fiction writers. I don't care if you write fantasy. I don't care if you write sci-fi. I don't care if you write literary fiction. Whatever you want to write, I support you. I happen to be writing mystery right now, but I've written uh, literary fiction in the past. (laughs) Why it took me so long to remember a term I just said, the brain is overloaded. My point here is that you want to surround yourself with a robust community with a like-minded pursuit. I try to keep the podcast mostly agnostic because I I understand that things like politics and religion can uh, quickly generate some pretty loud opinions. But this would be an an instance where you can say, if you love politics, uh, and politics is what you want to write about, which I don't know why you would, all the King's Men, Robert Penn Warren, Not my favorite thing ever. Uh, But anyways, if you wanted to write about politics, then you would try to find other fiction writers who were interested in politics. And you just make sure that they're not all Republicans or Democrats or uh, communists. You want to be friends with some communists. But you don't want to be friends with your family. (laughs) Or your friends. You don't want to be friends with your friends. Your friends are a waste of your time. (laughs) It's unfortunately truer than you realize if you're pursuing a really big goal of creating a lifestyle out of this whole writing thing. Um, There's just a couple friends I've got out there that I think are fantastic people. I'm not even going to say your name because you're that cool. But you know who I'm talking to right now. Friend, I appreciate you. You're going to have a newfound respect for the quiet in your head when you silence your family and your high school, college friends, those people who traveled with you and knew you when that's a problem when they knew you when and that's where this comes from is that they want to hold on to you as they remember you they can't let you transform so you have to let them go in this context because it's where you're going to spend a lot of your time as a writer especially if you want to sell a lot of books social media quiet them down you're going to be happy you did it's going to change your day So now you've silenced friends and family on social media, but you still have holidays. Remember that Thanksgiving dinner I was just saying? I always blow it. I always stick my foot in my mouth and then my other foot somewhere else. You know what? Those dinners, those weekly dinners, maybe you live with the people in the same house. 
unfortunately, those are going to be some of the hecklers. I hate that this is the case. It's a drag, but it's true. Your own family, your immediate family, the people who sleep in the rooms of your house are going to be a weight when you're trying to do something like this. Because, you know, it's not the conventional small business. You can't just be like, hey, I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy some PVC and a couple of wrenches and call myself a plumber. You can't just take calls and get under sinks and rip things apart and solder and weld and stuff. You can't bring money in tomorrow. Not unless you're lucky. It's going to be a while. You're going to be laboring away for an undisclosed amount of time. You don't know. Nobody knows how long it's going to be. But you're going to be working your butt off. And there's not going to be any any monetary reward. And, and, and many writers, the truth is there is never monetary reward. You're listening to this show to change that. So don't worry about that. But do understand this takes time. And the people who live in the house with you see that it takes time. And they see that all of the effort looks like playing around. Shoot, what are you telling me? You spend like half your day on social media and that's your job? I have my days, trust me, I do, where I wonder the same thing. But uh, thankfully, this is also the day and the age of analytics and metrics, and I can watch things improve and realize we're going somewhere, and I think we're going where I want to go. So you're going to have the same experience, but it's not going to make you money. And and uh, with exception to people like my wife, there are going to be a lot of spouses who maybe look at you sideways from time to time and wonder if you've lost your mind. And and they could even be really supportive. You have to have somebody kind of crazy like Ashley to uh, fully support the journey and not ask any questions or doubt. Um, so shout out to you, Ashley. <laughs> shout out to you. I debated whether I would use her name, but it's like, again, I'm on social media. You're going to look me up and she claims to be married to me on every single platform that I can think of. So, you know, there's that. Okay. Anyways. So what do you do? What do you do if you're sitting down to the dinner table and your direct family, your immediate family, the people that you have to eat with, whether you want to or not, tell you that uh, you're a joke? Well, listen, it's challenging. I have tried so many unsuccessful ways to diffuse negativity from from jumping the gun and being self-deprecating, you know, joking about my own stupidity, uh, to being aggressive and self-defensive. And I've stewed over just perceived slights when I think that somebody isn't impressed by me. My ego gets all out of whack around this kind of stuff. And so this is where I want to relate back to last Wednesday's episode. I, I called it the Tiger Rules. Really dumb name, I know. And this is not me self-deprecating. This is actually me saying I still think that's a dumb title, but I just really like was attached to it. So we rolled with it. And uh, in the Tiger Rules, we talked about how the prey of a tiger lacks the cones in their eyes to see the color red. And so while we think the tigers are orange, its prey thinks it's green. What else is green? The forest you got to change your perception to be able to see it the way other people see it. And that's what you have to do with your, your immediate family. You need to change your perception because you can't fake your way out of this one. You can't pretend something doesn't hurt. You have to base the change in felt reality. You have to feel this one. You have to understand that your family cannot see what you can see. 
hear me now. Your family, your friends, the people who are in your house on a regular basis cannot see what you see. I don't care who you are listening right now, whether you're offended or not, or you want to call me names, take it up with me, send me an email, you can find me. If you're not doing what we're doing, if you're not taking a giant risk, if you're not putting yourself out there, if you're not striving for something amazingly great and difficult and 0.001% of people can do it, then you can't see what we see. We have cones in our metaphorical eyes that see a color you doesn't <laughs> you doesn't know exists. <laughs> you don't know exists. <laughs> Good, we needed some levity there. Things were getting a little too preachy. <laughs> but listen, this is the shift in focus. Look at your family and understand they can't see what you see. It's the start of something new when you're able to do that. When you can change your perception, it makes it possible to forgive. It makes it possible to endure. So the next time someone says, hey, what's the scribbler up to? You can say, with all of the forgiveness and love in your heart, that you want to understand the question. When you say scribbler, what do you mean? Diffuse the situation. Acknowledge the sarcasm. Repeat the word back to him in that case and say, what do you mean when you say scribbler? And open up for a real conversation and understand that you're not here to win a conversation or make a convert. You're here to show somebody that you stand in your own skin quite comfortably because you know what you see as a vision for your life. And have a dialogue and expect that nobody's going to walk away with their mind changed, but that you will walk away with self-respect, and so will your family member or friend. And finally, the third way to avoid the pain of unsupportive family and friends is to outwork the hate. I saved this one for the final point because it's not popular sometimes, and I'm aware of that. And I also have to fight back in it in myself because sometimes I get proud of my work ethic, and I used to catch myself saying things like, I might not be the best writer in the room, but I'm going to be the hardest working. I've come to not really appreciate that perspective. Thank you to my friend JP out there who has written a great novel called The Catch-Up Factory. You should buy it. I'll pop it in the show notes just because I thought of it. JP is the one who really criticized me for, for always touting how hardworking I was. And what I've realized is that working smart is really important as well. And also there's nothing wrong with having uh, people believe that you're uh, a schlub. Nothing wrong with it at all. To self-protect, to silence the voices of your critics, you want to be a hard worker. And that's the bottom line. Outwork the hate. Because what are they really hating about you? They're hating that they think you're a schlub. They're hating that they think you don't work hard. They're hating that you're not practical. They're hating that you spend all your time in la-la land creating fantasies that don't help anybody do anything any better. And they don't understand the power of novels. And they don't understand how hard of work it is to write them. And they don't get that you wake up at 5.30 every morning 
to write your books. They say they don't like to read, but when you tell them that you read 150 books a year, they say it's a waste of time and don't acknowledge what hard work it is to find the time to get those books in your head, in your hands, piped into your ears. Interesting conversation I had on Twitter this week, whether uh, audiobooks were reading or not. I had no clue how big that conversation was when I asked the question. Um, and there are some people who have very passionate feelings about it. So anyways, check that out if you want to. Um, fascinating. Here's the deal. Work harder than your critics. Work harder than your critics, and it will armor your soul. I don't know if you believe you have a soul, but whatever that voice inside your head is that does the dialogue with the other you that is you as well, whatever you call that, if you outwork the hate, the trolls, the critics, it will armor you against them. You don't have to brag about it. You can, you can in fact, pretend like you never work at all. But there's this private relationship we have with ourselves. And it's the one, I hate to say this, gosh, it feels woo-woo to me, but our relationship with ourselves is the most important relationship we have. It's what enables us to have meaningful relationships with other people. I'm only just coming to realize this, but if you hate who you are, you can't love other people. Write hard, read hard, edit hard, engage yourself, and write your book with the writing community, okay? Turn off your social media that is orbiting around family and high school, college friends, those old people who knew the old you. Shut them off. Get rid of them in social media. That's number one. Number two, change your perspective. You are a green tiger, I never thought I'd keep coming back to the stupid tiger. You're a green tiger. They can't see what you see. They can't see what you see. That's number two. Arm yourself with the fact that they can't see what you see. It will transform your empathy. They can't see what you see. And finally, outwork the hate. Work harder than all the hate all the trolls, and you will not be damaged. That's not true. I wish it was. Guys and gals, ladies and gentlemen, grandmas, please understand, even if you do these things perfectly, there's a reason there's a myth about Achilles and his heel. There are directions that arrows fly that you just can't predict. There are weaknesses in your character and in your heart. Healthy people are riding bicycles uh, at the age of 70 and they look in perfect condition to exist forever and a heart attack takes them out. Let's not end on a dire note, but I do want you just to practice self-forgiveness. Um, it's okay. It's okay if you get out of sorts. It's okay if you try all these things and they don't work perfectly. It's okay if it takes you the next 30 years to master just one of these things. Although you can do the social media in a day. If it takes you 30 years to turn off your family and friends, you're just wasting your time. If I could convince you of anything, I'd convince you of that. Silence them. Um, and if you're my family and you're listening right now, there are a couple of you. Uh, thank you so much for your support. Um, 
yeah, I don't know what else to say. I, I really appreciate you. Not everybody uh, falls into this category. Um, so if you're still listening and you're a friend or a family member who is supportive, we know the difference. We understand that. We're not going to shut you out. We really, we really appreciate you. We wish everybody else was like you. Um, for all of you who are listening right now, who came all the way to the end with me and all this just crazy, uh, sometimes off the cuff, uh, distracted, tangential podcast that I put together each week. I can't say enough how grateful I am for you. I love interacting with you wherever we meet up, whether it's on Twitter or Facebook uh, or gosh, I don't even know where else you're finding me, but uh, most likely it's, it's social media and I appreciate you. Um, you're people to me and I hope that I am a person to you and not just a profile out there. I just wanted to, I just want to leave you with my gratitude and encourage you to keep writing. Don't be ashamed to want to make money with your books. And never forget, you have to market yourself. Have a fantastic week. We'll talk to you again next Wednesday. Thanks for listening today. And remember, you should never feel bad for telling your truth. So get out there and write. And if you've got a killer story, apply to be a guest on our show. Email me at jodyjsperling at gmail.com or find me on Facebook, jodyjsperling. And hey, there's no point in telling stories if nobody's listening. Nobody's listening.